Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Up out of there. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to Sudden Change. It's Kelly Flicks, and I'm with my boy, Lon. Your boy. America's most wanted. Back, man. Episode 7. Winding it down to end of season 1. We have three more episodes left. Getting there, man. Man. But today, though, we're going to talk about Maya Moore and how she uses her platform to free Jonathan Irons. We're going to get into Cam Newton, who has just been signed to the New England Patriots. We're also going to talk about South Central L.A. versus South L.A. in this big debate where the mayor even got in on it. Shout out to uh, Slauson Girl. And also we're going to get into it uh, talking about the street vendors that have been attacked recently in Los Angeles. But you got any shout outs for us, Lon? Yeah, indeed I do, bro. And uh, this week, man, it's going to be less of a shout out and more of a PSA. And it was just a random thought I had yesterday, man. I really just wanted to express how good it feels to be a good human, you know, at heart. At the end of the day, how good it feels to do things you don't necessarily have to do in order to be a good, you know, citizen, like to, you know, shed light into other people's lives. And we have to normalize, you know, being that good person internally day in and day out, showing love day in and day out. We have to normalize these, you know, these godly habits. And, you know, why not? At the end of the day, when you really think about it, why not show love? Why not be a good person? Because at the end of the day, everything is reciprocated. So get that out it's gonna get return right back to y'all so we're gonna get back into that you know later on but in terms of the flavor of the week we're gonna take it up a notch you know i'm gonna get out my intellectual vibes you know all that that <laughs> that ism rap i'm gonna go ahead and turn it up you know for the young bucks shout out to y'all with that 42 dub that little baby grace let's get it yes sir Got a lot of new flames and nigga them blue. 350,000 times that but two new down no roof. I still see the skies. These are my grandma, I still see my guys. Turn this bad, must have felt let down. Heard it down, said, huh? What you gon' bet now? Yeah, you used to be a tour, bitch, a vet now. Luke, get up, dog, y'all need you. Only nigga made sure that I was eating. Free that still nigga, RP Reese. Get her nails done, still charge for the feature. Baby, we ain't that, no, we ain't this. All that fuck, I don't do no kiss. Bitch, ain't shit words with my niggas all in my mansion. Bitch really wanna get higher To the little hoes, I'm rising I done hit more shit than Mike Tyson Get poppin' nigga, I ain't doin' no fight Sendin' my cash, I ain't doin' no right Car too fast, can't stop it, no light I hit the gas, it's great, and I pull off I'm on that ass, I just took a year off She shakin' her ass, call me when she get off Took half a meal for my little brother to get off That new Richard Mill made me feel like a boss Feel like I'm me when I'm ridin' these cars Who you know pull up, hold on to Roger in the farm I got designer for days, but it's something about them Go crazy for white apples, one, maybe cause I'm a dope boy he be loud, but he ain't making no noise. Bitch, the door on the ground like a skateboarder. If I wanna, I get her, I pay for her. I pay extra, I ain't tryna wait for her. Everything that I got, it was made for me. I was serving them trap house faithfully. Everybody with me gotta eat. Say you crazy with me. Thou should not try one of us. If they do, I'm a bust. Please don't reach for no chain. Not about to say, but it's more about respect. If they give me upset, they gon' die, that's on game. Ran on my check when I walk in the bank. They greet me at the door by my government name. I made a promise, I'm never gon' change. Rose, Rose, umbrella, I'm hoping it rain. 
crack back on it. Designing my garments, corner store mornings. Stand to the sundown, I don't trust no one. I can't put my gun down, going number one now. How this out, hands down, bands out, pants down. Yeah, I'm thugging. I done got rich, everybody my cousin. You ain't serving no pass with me, you ain't my brother. That chopper go through shit, I call it a cutter. I just bought a new whip, I went bought another. My mother, she happy now. Ain't no cabin gown, but I graduated. Her house paid for, and that new Mercedes. No, you see that they been trying to be me lately. I'm a heavy hitter like Javante Davis. That shit ain't gonna save him, leave him on the pavement. All I know is get this motherfucking paper. Thou should not try one of us. If they do, I'm a bust. Please don't reach for no chain. Not about to say, but it's more about respect. If they get me upset, they gon' die this on game. Ran on my check when I walk in the bank. They greet me at the door by my government name. I made a promise I'm never gon' change. Rolls Royce umbrella, I'm hoping it rain. Bitch yeah. ain't shit, doggy moan, I get it. Fell a little twice, had me and my feelings. Three months drop, damn near half a million. Nigga, fuck a house, I done damn lost the building. Fuck niggas, hoes, so see when they kill me. I miss tears, but shit was different. I miss never speech my niggas, damn near with death. When they tell me they kill train rat, nigga, fuck on. 13,000 VBS buffs on. Still a flooded nigga town with a truckload. Get the head and I'm out, I don't trust hoes. If the feds in the house, a nigga told on me. I pray to God my soul to keep G5, just be his murder. Gotta get picked up, doggy, I'm hurt. Still pay the lure, even though I'm nervous. Thou should not try one of us. If they do, I'm a bust. Please don't reach for no chain. Not about to say, but it's more about respect. If they get me upset, they gon' die this on game. Ran on my check when I walk in the bank. They greet me at the door by my government name. I made a promise I'm never gon' change. Rose Rose umbrella, I'm hoping it rain. Yeah. Good grace, been bumping that uh, shit a couple of days. Really low key, low key. That baby album might be number one right now. On a, you know what I mean? Hip hop this year. He definitely up there. I got, I got to learn how to whistle, my boy, because that that shit's sweet right there. Doug <laughs> go crazy. Let's get into Maya Moore though, man. Maya Moore, she just sat out this past year, the whole season. Did not play at all, man, and really dedicated it to uh, social justice. And ended up freeing this man, Jonathan Irons. Uh, shit, tell us about it, Lon. What's up with it? First and foremost, let's talk about who Maya Moore is, like in her resume, I guess you can say, as a player. Uh, at 31 years, at years of age right now, she's a four-time WNBA champion, one of the best players in the league league history at that. She's won two Olympic gold medals. She was a 2014 WNBA MVP, and she's made six all-star teams. So she's a decorated athlete and has done wonders in the game. And she stepped away from that game that she's dominated since the year 2011, I believe, that she was the first overall draft pick, and she dedicated a year of her life to do God's work. And I feel like it's amazing, and that's something that we need to be you know, talking about more. Yeah, in any sport, dude, you've never seen the top athlete step out for a year and just commit them themselves to social work, you know what I mean, and really get really make progress. So what Maya Moore did, we've never seen an athlete do anything like this, and she needs to be, you know what I mean, held, held to that standard because, like, I feel like too many times in the WNBA, uh, a lot of WNBA players are looked over or looked past because they're, look at, they're looked at as a second-tier league or a second-tier type of sports program. But these athletes are making real change. You know what I mean? And we, you got to take notice to it. You got to. Yeah, most definitely. And in general, just, you know, professional women athletes, like, they do they're, – they're top-tier athletes. Like, you get what I'm saying? They, yeah. they are pros at what they do. And – just in general, they're not celebrated, they're not, you know, exposed enough, and that's something that needs to be changed. I mean, we have to be, 
you know, expose the WNBA a little bit more. I mean, it may not be as exciting as the NBA is, but, you know, it's something to be, you know, held held on the pedestal, I guess you can say. Uh, but my more for her to, to step away for a season and do that, that's kind of equivalent to, like, Brian or Kobe doing yes. something like that. And you have some males in the uh, pro athletes uh, field kind of doing some things. Uh, in terms of like social injustice, uh, but we can even take a look at, at Kaepernick. But this is kind of not the same thing because he was kind of exiled from the NFL from doing this. You have guys like LeBron who's doing things in the community and in terms of, you know, I guess the political field, but he's not stepping away from the game and doing so. So I feel like she sacrificed kind of her, her source of income, her her livelihood or, you know, just her her way of living to do something that was right. And, you know, she freed an innocent man who was in prison for over 20 years. And, and let's be real. Last week, uh, we talked about NBA players possibly not returning and, and, and the, also the NBA players that opted out of returning to uh, play basketball in Orlando. This is a good time, you know what I mean, for us to look at the example that Maya Moore has given us where she sat out from playing basketball and committed her time to doing something else, created real change. So this is our example of what you do when you don't travel to Orlando. Oh, man. And, the players that don't go, these are the things that you can try to get done. Oh, man. We was just kind of lobbying for the NBA players to, you know, opt out of the season. Yes. In terms, you know, all the, the black folks opting out of the season to kind of show, you know, they value and to, you know, you know, just make change, I guess you can say. And that's something that Maya Moore has done already and, you know, successfully has done. I mean, so it, it's it's beautiful, and uh, my more we appreciate you. I know Jonathan Irons appreciates you because yes. you know this is something that the crime he quote unquote committed was at the age of sixteen years old. Jonathan Irons is forty now, and he was serving a fifty-year sentence. Ridiculous! They threw they almost threw the buck at him as a sixteen-year-old kid for a crime that he did not commit, and a key factor in uh, the judge's decision to overturn the conviction was due to a fingerprint found inside of the victim's home. And the fingerprint belonged to neither the victim or Jonathan Irons. And that's what inevitably overturned the decision. And they, they sent this man to jail for 50 years on shaky evidence. Shaky evidence. And that and pretty much the judge is like, at this point, now that the, the fingerprint, you know, because, you know, just to, to make this clear, the, the fingerprint was kept out of, you know, the, the case initially. It was, you know, kept away from Irons' uh, defense team. Okay. And they weren't able to build, you know, their defense around that shaky evidence. And the judge mentioned that, you know, now the the case against Irons is weak and circumstantial at best. You feel me? So mm-hmm. it's just kind of, it makes you think about what evidence or, you know, what circumstances are being left out in the majority of these cases. It's sick, and it's. I mean, look, man. It's at the. It's at the. It's a. It's a systemic issue. You know what I mean? This is not just a one over. This is happening in hella states. You know what I mean? All over the place, and this is it needs to uh, be a change to it. But talking about Maya Moore, in looking at you know Maya Moore's career, I noticed that you know Maya Moore makes one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year as one of the best players in the WNBA. Probably Crazy. one of the best players. On this earth, yeah, and that's crazy, brother. We just talked about that in pre-pro. That I mean, this is that's kind of almost equivalent to an undrafted free agent in the NFL. And we talk about yeah. guys, you know, in the NFL being, you know, having the kind of the lower 
catching the lower end of the salary base in terms of pro sports. Mm -hmm. But we got, you know, these young ladies or these female athletes in the WNBA and all these other professional women's sports, you know, getting paid less than those league minimums. So it's, it's kind of wild. Oh, I mean, that and, you know, there's always the... the there was I even saw a whole YouTube video about it talking about why there are discrepancies in, you know, pay where women only make up to 120,000 WNBA and the NBA you can make up to 250 million, you know what I mean, to whatever years. So, to that, I also think that these these different WNBA players should receive different like sponsorships, like Fashion Nova and all these companies that's paying all these other women. You can also get these endorsements to WNBA players. You know what I mean? It's very beautiful WNBA players that could for sure receive some type of contracts like that because even in the in the NFL, I feel like with their contracts, they still have different sponsorships and endorsement deals mm -hmm. that help boost their contracts from year to year. I mean, boost how much they make from year to year. So I think, you know, that's something that WNBA, they for sure should plug them into or just find ways for these women to make more money because 120000 is not enough for the best uh, female basketball player on this earth. And at the end of the day, like if we've been completely honest, I understand why, you know, the WNBA isn't, you know, it doesn't have as much exposure as the NBA, the NFL, MLB, and all these other, you know, top-notch male-dominated sports. And I guess we can say it's not as interesting, it's not as appealing or, you know, fascinating, I guess. But at the end of the day, like, I want to ask you, why do you feel like it can't be exposed a little more? You know, I gave, I feel like that's just yeah. my opinion, but what makes you, you know, what do you think can be the turning point for that? I think, I think the veil, the whole veil on the WNBA as far as like exposure and things is, for one, I don't, why do I only know like three or four WNBA players or faces? You know what I mean? Why, why, you know, on Sports Center, why isn't WNBA on Sports Center? You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of, there's a, why isn't the WNBA, how come their drama and things aren't discussed like how it is on first take, like how the NBA is? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We don't talk about anything that's going on in there. We, I mean, in the past couple of years, all I could remember from the WNBA, like, as far as news or some type of rumor, something that's entertaining right. is the Brittany Griner situation how she was married and whatever was going on with her but when she banged out that's, that's all yeah. we said when she dunking yeah that's so it's American like, history right there other, other than that why don't we get these stories they have reporters they have different news outlets but the exposure come on ESPN Fox all these different companies cover the WNBA even a case like this one, Maya Moore, one of the like you know the LeBron or the, one of the Kobe's of the WNBA sits out to free uh, uh innocent man from being in prison for over you know 40 years or over 20 years excuse me that's not even getting you know top-notch exposure on sports center like i'm on instagram and i i yeah. couldn't even find a post about that on their page and, yeah. and that's the you know the root of you know the lack of exposure like you just mentioned bro mm -hmm. like it, it comes down to you know just their faces you know their likeness their you know the, what they doing in the community what they doing on the, on the court off the court being you know just simply exposed on on these national you know sports platforms yeah and, and salute salute to different uh, women that are on these platforms like Lisa Leslie uh, mm -hmm. like Candace Park Inglewood legend who do they Lisa and they Leslie. all they always speak up and do their part but it's not just about them being on those shows. You got to talk about what's going on the WNBA now. Show us the league now. Why they, you know, you know I mean? giving buckets? Because you, you see Lisa Leslie now that she, you know, retired and on the show. But we, you know, we didn't talk about her as much, you know, during her playing days. Exactly. But she, you know, she's on TV talking about the Lakers. 
Oh, man. She's not talking about the Sparks. None of the WNBA. None of Facts. that, bro. Same Facts. with Candace Parker. Facts. So it's, it's the point of emphasis needs to be on the WNBA if you want them to actually gain this correct exposure. Nah, I feel that, bro. That, that's that's real right there. So yeah, shout out to my Moore. Shout out to her family because you know her family has been involved in, in prison ministry for years. That's you know wow. her relationship with Jonathan Irons dates back to 2007 through her family's involvement in prison ministry. So shout out to the family. Shout out to all you know the dominant women out there who uh you know are at the at the top of their craft. Yes, man. Shout out to y'all. Yeah, and Maya Moore, uh, you deserve all the credit. We as a, I mean, as a community, we we appreciate what you are doing to help us. Definitely, and welcome home, Mr. Irons. No doubt. Let's get to Cam Newton, man. Cam Newton just found a home. He's headed to New England, and uh, he's a. I mean, I assume that he's going to be the starter in New England, uh, Mr. MVP. I'm happy. I'm happy that he's actually on a team. But like Richard Sherman said, you know, this whole contract situation, salary situation, this is definitely a dis- a discrepancy. It ain't good enough. There's a enough. discrepancy. It ain't it? good enough. And I'm and I'm glad that Sherman kind of you know brought that to to light because honestly, initially, I was kind of you know happy with the bone they threw us. Like they mm-hmm. always they throw us a little bone and you know mm-hmm. we get excited off of that. You know we we satisfied with you know our one of, you know, a, a historical figure. Honestly, if we be honest, Cam kind of changed the game at a pivotal time in, you know, NFL history. We didn't have, you know, Vic. This is after Vic got, you know, exiled or defamed, you know. This was after that. So the black quarterback scene wasn't as, you know, dominant. And Cam came in and kind of changed the game. And, you know, now that the, his situation in Carolina unfolded as it, as it did, he was kind of left out of a job, if we being honest. And when, you know, him being signed by the Patriots, I, I was just happy for him, to be kind of quite honest. But I didn't really dive into, you know, what he was given, which was, like, yeah. honestly, the league minimum. Yeah, he was, I mean, so the issue, that, I mean, so the issue, it's like his levels to, like, the issues I got with this shit. So first, I feel like more teams should have offered for Cam Newton services. A lot of teams needed Cam Newton. The Chargers could have used Cam Newton. <laughs> we can we can go. We could we could run down a list of different teams that could use Cam Newton. So the fact that only the New England Patriots offered him, and the New England Patriots have you know pretty much no cap space and weren't willing to free up any cap space for him, left him with this bottom of the barrel ass contract. You know where we see that another team like the Cleveland Browns was interested, where. They probably could offer more money than New England Patriots. You see what I'm saying? So they all kind of pass and just let the Patriots get them for this minimum fee. Where you have guys like Andy Dalton getting signed by the Cowboys, who are about to pay Dak thirty million a year. They paying them to be a backup. A backup at twelve million on one year. So, I mean, it's just bullshit. You know, it's no way. We got we talking about an MVP and we talking about Andy Dalton. We're talking about an MVP getting league minimum damn near. But Mike Glennon getting three years, 45 M's. Nick Foles, absurd amount of money, like two years, 50 million. You know what I mean? They bagging these white these white quarterbacks out. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, black quarterbacks who have proven themselves or black quarterbacks who are still proving themselves, you know, it's, they always catching the lower uh, end of the stick. They always, you know, it's just you got to you got to be exceptional. And yeah, and even, even with that being said, like, I don't even 
I'm not necessarily faulting the Patriots because of their necessary their their salary cap situation. You know what I mean? They're a team where they're like, we're not gonna free up any space for any players, but if we can get them, okay, all right. But the rest of the league that decided that we're all gonna pass on Cam Newton, even if we have enough money to pay him, that's the problem that I have. That's where the NFL has a problem. Yeah, a couple, where a couple of teams probably wanted him too, though. They just you know didn't want to pull the trigger. Just like a couple of teams you know want and need Colin Kaepernick, but they're afraid to pull that trigger. And the Patriots probably wanted him off off the rip. Yeah, they probably didn't have a dough, mm-hmm. but they probably wanted him off rip. But you know, once he was kept out of the league for a period of time, his value dropped. And to be quite honest, they caught bro for the for the low. For the low low, they caught yeah. him out at the Dollar Tree, and they, they skipped yeah. on him. So uh, his contract this year, he's uh, slated to make five hundred fifty thousand. Matt Barkley is set to make more. Uh, Jared Stidham is set to make more. Matt Schwab is set to make more. Ryan Finley, Will Greer, Brett Hundley, Mason Rudolph, Robert Griffin the third. That black man get the bag. I ain't, I ain't mad at him, but that he ain't Cam Newton. Let's you know, let's make that clear. Yeah. Uh, just speaking about being paid based on your value. That's all. That's that's really what this conversation is about. And uh, he has he has incentives. So I checked him out on Spot Track. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has six point five million in incentives based on this year. Um, and he has a oh, it's eighty seven thousand dollar roster bonus. And sure it's, make and it's good to see. Honestly, at the end of the day, uh, and Cam just you know made this statement the other day, man. It's at this point, it's not about the money for him. It's really about the respect because, you know, it's it's been a lack of respect. It's been a respect thing. They haven't valued him uh, with him even being left on the market for X amount of time. So, you know, he has an opportunity to prove himself, and I, I think that's all he needs because he's going to make it happen. He's in a, He has a great foundation, a great defense, great, you know, special teams. He's in a great organization, great situation. So, at this point, you know, he got the green light. At least I think yeah. he do. I don't think Stidham gonna beat him out. So yeah, and I think really uh, Cam Cam was just injured, and I think those injuries hindered him along with him uh, trying to get back on the field faster and, and things like that. So I think that he can return to MVP form with ease, especially under Bill Belichick and the system that they run, especially mm-hmm. with how good their defense is. Where well, we saw last season, the Patriots defense and special teams carried them yeah. to ma- through majority of the season. Not not twelve. So, I think Cam has a great chance because with that type of defense to back you up in special teams where you're always in good field position, you're put in good places and your coaches are going to make the right decisions, you know what I mean, as far as play calling. So, yeah, I like he's this. He's put in position to succeed. Hopefully, they don't, you know, Belichick don't run that black man to the ground. <laughs> what <laughs> you were saying last week, how many dive plays they finna do? They finna be quarterback power <laughs> All the way down the field, 99 yards. Quarterback power, every play. Straight down the middle. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. And uh, I also saw the, the different criticism about Cam being in Boston and how he may be on a short leash. Uh, as much as I don't want to listen to that, you got to – I mean, I think you got you to take it in. You got to understand that. And do you think that there's any point they would try to put Jerry Stidham in over Cam Newton, huh? I feel like in the beginning, it's going to be – they're going to make it seem like it's a competition or a position battle. Hmm. Just to kind of incentivize, you know, Cam's motive or, you know, his his hustle. Uh, but I feel like the job is his. That's going to be his team. And, you know, they just, they just put him in a position where, you know, he's going to have to prove his worth. 
Yeah, and then every like even in playing ball at every point where even where the coaches made the wrong decision and put maybe a starter at number two to start the season or something. There was a point where everybody on the team, at least is at practice or at some point in weights or something, where you realize who the leader of the team is, who's really the guy, who we're really following. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's not the guy who the coach just assigned to, to be your leader it's or really, your captain. It's really going to be about him winning that locker room over, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, niggas know Cam is a guy. Let, let's keep it all the way 100. Everybody knows that a healthy Cam is, is dangerous. And to be quite honest, man, the AFC just, you know, is, is even more wide open at this point. And even more specifically, the black quarterback scene in the AFC is ridiculous. You got Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You got Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Now you got Cam. You got Deshaun Watson, who's the guy down there in Houston. It's, it's wide open, it's man. It's pretty electrifying. And I, re- I really like uh, the division that he's in because he's going to be playing in the AFC East. And it, it looked wide open when Tom Brady left from the Patriots. And Cam steps right in. And I think they're already projected number one, <laughs> in my opinion. Definitely with number one at him, they are the front runner once again. I mean, if you think about it, he's not going against any experienced quarterbacks. And that's what yeah. Tom Brady kind of hung his hat on, uh, you know, other than him being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, last season, he was going against Sam Darnold. Yeah. Josh Allen, who is emerging, but still very inexperienced yeah. and a possible tour, you know. So, I mean, at this point, along with that defense and, you know, special teams and just a, a whole organization ran by Bill Belichick that we mentioned earlier, uh, Cam is primed to be, you know, the top dog in that, in that conference. Yeah. So, I kind of heard the Jerry Stidham talk. I don't like it as much. I don't really think Jerry Stidham should be the starter. I just wanted to have this on record. I don't think he should be the starter. Nah. If Cam Newton is not starting, there's something wrong. Yeah, matter of fact, those are two Auburn Tigers too, though. Both that of them is. did. Both of them they came out of Auburn. That's that's crazy. Uh, but Stidham is not the guy. And it, honestly, you know, thinking back to one of our former episodes on the podcast, I kind of mentioned Cam being on the Patriots as mm-hmm. you know a an option. I didn't think was gonna happen. But I, I mentioned that as an option, being one of the teams that, you know, was in that, that bridge phase, you know, yeah. kind of looking towards one of the future uh, draft prospects. But, you know, here we are, July 1st or July 2nd today is talking about, you know, Cam Newton as a Patriot. And, you know, the, the future is, you know, it's, it's all in Cam's hands, man. And he's done good things. So we wish that black man the best, without a doubt. Yep, you got Sonny Michelle, James White, Julian Edelman, Marquise Lee, Nikhil Harry. So those guys step up and make some plays. I like it. Easy call. I like it. Let's get into uh, what's, what's going down in L.A. though, man. So South Los Angeles versus South Central Los Angeles. The mayor, Mayor Garcetti, man, he went on. He was speaking. He was speaking at a black-owned coffee shop this past week, and a Slauson girl caught up with him and asked him a couple questions and in that uh, he explained to us why he feels that uh, why they changed the name in 2003 from uh, South Central Los Angeles to South Los Angeles uh, and I want to have y'all listening to it 
Um, the question that I have is that it's um, the city council voted to change the name of South Central to South LA. Yeah. Um, 2003, 2006, sometime. Yeah. So it's been around like six, you know, 17, 16 years since this name change has happened. Yeah. And from your perspective as mayor, as someone that has like, you know, you kind of have more of like maybe a bird's eye view. From your perspective, from the name change, like what has changed in the community of South Central? Or should I say South LA? Well, when we voted on that, I was on the city council. And it was for two reasons. One is that South Central was a historically accurate place around Central Avenue. Mm -hmm. And by expanding that out everywhere, it took away the history of what was LA's 42nd Street, mm -hmm. you know, our Jazz Row, Central Avenue, which folks of the East who were the first black actors uh, who lived in town, but it was kind of like Hollywood of South LA. And second, it also became code word. When you said South Central, it was supposed to be synonymous with gangs, with crime, with things that weren't even historically accurate. So we said, this is South LA. This, you know, South Central is part of Central Avenue, but South LA is the entire area. And I think that helped people rethink. We find prejudice not just, and racism not just in the actions and the policies that are around us, but in the words we use, that those can cause violence, economic violence, that they can make people think that they know you before they know you. And I think it's wide open up what this area is, which is a diverse, beautiful, hardworking part of Los Angeles. And so to me, I think it's been a success, but it's not just about what we call South LA, it's what we give South LA. So if you're not shopping in a black-owned uh, uh, cafe, if you don't have 15% of the things you buy from black businesses, you aren't doing your part. If you're not supporting South LA Cafe, and you're in a protest, thank you for being the protest. We want that, but now spend your money in the black community as well. So, you know, this is about those opportunities you have every single day to be a revolutionary, not just with fancy titles like us. I'm not trying to hammer you at all. I just have one follow-up yeah, question, course. and I'll leave the floor. Uh, all right. That was it. React. <laughs> First of all, I didn't know that the name was changed in 2003. All this time... South Central was South Central to me. I never realized that South LA was the official name, I guess you can say. It sounded like some, some you know, South Crenshaw type of shit. Very, so. very gentrifier, like. <laughs> yeah, but he, he touched on some good points, though. It was good to hear a lot of that out of Gar Garcetti's, uh, out of his mouth, you know, as the mayor of LA, you know, understanding the, the historical presence that was you know Central Avenue that was something that was enlightening to me because I had no clue about it but I guess it's more of the the narrative and the title that South Central kind of withheld mm -hmm. I guess you know just uh, you know hearing South Central you kind of think of you know a crime invested uh, kind of poverty riven or ridden area and you know I guess changing the name would kind of get rid of that narrative but I guess that's the part that doesn't sit well with us natives just kind of erasing uh, the culture the history of you know what we you know call home and you know what we call you know our history so yeah and really it was it was made by the uh, one second it was made by the city council LA city council they ended up voting on it and they changed it in 2003 
But really, this isn't a decision that needs to be made by the L.A. City Council. You know what I mean? It needs to be made by the people. Mm -hmm. I think the people decide uh, what the name of their community is. I don't, I mean, we looked even earlier in pre-pro. I showed line this map. It's supposed to be a map on Wikipedia of South Central L.A. And we were trying to identify the borders because we don't identify those borders as the borders of South Central L.A. So uh, really, how I feel about this is that as I do think Garcetti has some good things to say about uh, black people in our community and things, I don't think that we need to change the name in order to change how people feel about it. I don't think that people in South Central L.A. look at it negatively. I think that people, you know what I mean, outside of South Central L.A. may look at it that way. Right, and they're kind of doctoring, you know, that narrative to make them feel a little more comfortable, you know, coming to these areas that they plan on gentrifying that's, and that's, making. That's really what it's that's about. Early, that's early gentrifying language. Mm -hmm. I, honestly, because um, even then, my dad told me maybe two years ago how they were uh, beginning to market the neighborhood uh that 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 the house that he lives in you know what i mean that neighborhood so they were calling it sola south los angeles that's weird you know what i mean and that's <laughs> that's direct I, I can see a direct tie to the actual name being changed in 2003 so like realtor saying it's my boy that sound like a yoga studio or something you never heard nothing like that yeah, so the this the, the the actual South Los Angeles that just kind of sounds kind of really close to gentrifying language to me, whereas you say that you want to protect this culture, where it almost seems like you're erasing it through the name, you know, and I don't think that that change. I don't think the community okay that change. That's what that's how I feel about it. It ain't it ain't necessary. We should say yeah. It may you know sound feasible for you know they, you know manifestation dreams you know and that's what's kind of coming to light but at the end of the day you know th this is where we reside you know this is our culture our history our territory so i mean if anything you gotta go through us yeah and even kind of part of that just thinking about it as the mayor maybe you don't want south central los angeles you know what i mean underneath your name anymore maybe you want South Los Angeles maybe you know what I mean yeah. maybe that to you erases a hood from underneath your list of communities mm -hmm. so there's a lot to that I do understand what he's saying where he says uh, protest and then go spend money at a black business he's right I don't think that those things that he said about you know spending money at black businesses and protesting is directly tied to the fact that he would he uh, endorses the change from South Central Los Angeles to South Los Angeles though so Right. If you really want to, if we really want to, you know, make progress and make changes, I guess you can say, uh, let's start with that. Those millions of dollars that you just cut from the LAPD. Let's kind of yeah. reallocate those funds towards things that are necessary, like uh, education, uh, yeah. social services, homeless, you know, home the homeless rate. Like, let's let's talk about things that can kind of cure the real root. Cause it ain't yeah. about a name. It's about yeah. you know what that name carry, and it was what I mentioned earlier: the crime rates, the mm -hmm. lack of education, the lack you know the poverty infested streets. Like, like let's fix all that, man. The and situations we can, that we're born into. Yeah, really, let's, let's talk about let's talk about that, and then we can you know talk about a name. All right, and also uh, we need to get into this part also. So these different street vendors have been getting attacked. So different Lote, I've seen easily three at least three videos where elote men or a mexican vendor street vendor has their card or has uh whatever they have for their storage or their product 
and they be they attacked by black men. Usually, you know, usually every time it's been two black men. Yeah, and it be the younger folks. And uh, sure. they attack them. Is I mean, honestly, it's a pretty vicious attack because in attacking them, uh, the vendors trying to protect themselves. They continue. They usually knock them down, steal their money, kick them, different things like that. And they get on and leave. But this is this is not regular in mm. our community. This is not something that we were even really talking about last year. Yeah, that's this is new shit, and honestly, it's completely uncalled for. And I feel like it's more than necessary that we talk about this, man, because it, yeah. it has to be reprimanded. Like this cannot continue, bro. No, it like can't. these street vendors are one of the hard hardest working, like selfless. You know, hustlers out there, man, they out there making a living for their family. And, you know, you not only are you robbing them and taking them, you know, taking those those plates and those meals out of their family's mouths, but, you know, you assaulting them, dog. And it, it's just completely out of, out of pocket, man. And there's, there's no reason to attack. Uh, I mean, I really don't like people attacking, like, you know, normal citizens. Now I mean, this is this has because these people. Let's be honest, okay. So the people that have attacked these different lote men or, or different street vendors have been gang affiliated. You know what I mean? They have for sure. And to that point, attacking civilians and stuff is not cool because these people are honest working. They have families. I've seen people's uh, daughters and sons tweet different things, tweet videos. These people just attacked my dad. You know what I mean? These people go back to their family. They're providing for their family every day. They're not just out for their help. And for this to for them to get beat up, come to the house, and then their kids have to find a video to prove that somebody jumped their parents and then post that up in hopes of support is sickening. And it shouldn't happen. And, and the different people that are committing these, those type of crimes or, you know what I mean, anything, bro, you shouldn't do nothing like that. You know what I mean? Nah, off top, bro. And honestly, this shit kind of makes me uh, think about this video I saw uh, a Nipsey, Big Homie Cowboy. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of mentioning, you know, just the, the status of, you know, the young homies, the TYGs in his hood mm-hmm. and how they was, you know, hitting up and kind of marking out other hoods that never really, you know, did nothing to him. Like, they kind of was marking out, like, a tray for for example, hmm. and was marking them out, Xing them out. And, you know, Cowboy, on the video, he was talking about, like, he had to kind of reprimand his young homies, like, so what they do to you? Like, did they run up on you, you know, shoot up your homie, shoot up your city, you mean, you know, your little section? Mm-hmm. Did they, you know, they, they ever kill one of your brothers, one of your family members? Did they ever do anything to you? And if they didn't, why why are you exing them out? Like you feel me? Why are you disrespecting them? And and, and they said, and and this makes me think about it because it's like he was kind of touching on that. Like you inciting a war at that point. You feel me? Unprovoked. And when I see these assaults happening on you know these these hustlers out here, these innocent you know men and women, it makes me think about like the race war you potentially are provoking. All because you want to, you know, you want an easy buck. You feel me? You want an easy lick. You see an easy lick. You see a, a, a unarmed, you feel me, elderly person out there that can't defend that, that you know, that can't defend themselves. But in reality, when you think about it, we as black people are dealing with a war against our, you know, a larger oppressor. And at the same time, you got, you know, our Latino, our brown brothers and sisters right beside us, you know, fighting for our, for our value. You feel me? Mm-hmm. You know, expressing no that our lives matter, and all you doing is kind of, you know, slapping them in the face. 
And it's just wild, man, because, like, what, what are we doing that for? Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, you know, they had to protest with us. A lot of times when we fight for Black Lives Matter, they right with us. So for them, you, you know, you find out somebody elderly in your community that just got jumped by somebody, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So some young cats that came in here and you was just supporting some black people, mm-hmm. that can make you feel a type of way because as black people, we gotta just think if this was, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot. If this was something like this was going on with us, mm-hmm. we'd be down the ride. We wouldn't be, we would not have it at all. So, uh, man. And it's crazy because like, mm-hmm. these same folks that's out here, you know, on these streets, the lotes, the, you know, the, the ice cream men that got their carts, uh, the men and women, I should say, who out there hustling on our corners. This is part of LA culture. We just finished talking about South Central and whatever they want to call it right now. Mm-hmm. This is a part of our culture. The Raza, the Latino community, they are a part of our culture. Us as the brown community have to find a way to, you know, I know it's a lot of history between, you know, beefs and the, the riots and, and wars we've had and, you know, are, that are possibly, you know, still occurring to this day, but we got to find a way to, you know, coexist, man. We, if anything, we are, you know, we share the same struggles, some of the same struggles, I should say. And yeah. when it come down to it, if you really want to think about it on a historical aspect, when we were slaves, you know, we were fleeing the states, going south to Mexico. You know, them folks were standing up for us against the, the white folks. And to this day, they still right next to us, you know, fighting for our lives, man. And, you know, us as a brown community, man, and long story short, man, we got to do better. These are neighbors. These are brothers and sisters. The Raza community and the black community are, they have to be on the same page. We have to. And we got to start by not, you know, assaulting they peoples. You know, that's our peoples, man. Yeah, it's no, it's no time to fight amongst each other when we have a, a bigger, bigger enemy in common. You know, we're at the point now where this movement, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement is really gaining a lot of momentum and these type of things slow down momentum. We can't allow that to happen, so we need to cut this out. You know what I mean? There's, there's bigger things on our, on our agenda right now. And something like this, this is working backwards. This is hustling backwards. Yeah, this is only going to create a divide between us. Yeah, you ain't gangster for, for knocking out a, a corn man when a, you is not gangster, bro, at all. You get no cool points from me for knocking out an unarmed, yeah. you feel me, a lote man that can't defend himself and, and taking his, you know, his, his kids' money for the week. They lunch money. You ain't doing nothing. And, even, and to that point, uh, I want to shout out, I don't even know his name, but the cats from Hoover, though, uh, they had a little issue like that where it happened like maybe a month or two ago. And this cat from Hoover, uh, he took both of their fades and put them both down. You know what I mean? But as a, you know, OGs or, you know what I mean, if they's your little homies, you got to step in and say something about this because as a community, we don't need this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We don't, you know what I mean? I think as far as your average black man, and you know what I mean, somebody that you may, you know, call a black gang member, don't discourse about have a discourse about many things. Mm-hmm. But I think to this point, we should keep the citizens as the citizens and the gang members as a gang. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. As far as violence goes, because this is becoming like random acts of violence. And this is something that we don't need our community uh, to have to endure because aside from that, these people are people that are um, very vulnerable, the mm-hmm. elderly. Just same as our kids, same as our women. So we need to protect all of them the same. So in that, uh, this stuff got to stop. 
need to cut all this out. Got to. Find another way to make some money. Oh, man. Uh, with that being said, though, ready to get up out of here, Lon? Easy call, man. This has been Sudden Change, Episode 7. I'm counting down to the end of Season 1. It's been nice. But continue to tap in with us. We appreciate it once again. Uh, all my brothers, sisters, you know, allies. We love y'all. America's Most Wanted. We out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.